When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Tom Bernard Show with Dave Schrader. Alex Brant-Bernard Rasmussen. Andy Brant-Bernard. Cassie Schrader. And we'll be right back. Dr. Elena George will join us right after this. Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. What is this? It sounds familiar, but I don't know why. What is this? You're going to miss me when I'm not here playing music for us. It's ABBA. It is ABBA. It's money, money, money. Oh, money, money, money. That's right. What a horrendous band they were. What? Oh, They're a happy band. They were a happy band. They're a happy band. I love ABBA. Yeah. Mama Mia 2 is coming out. Yes, it is. And I think they they just got back together to re- create some new music. So they're, oh my they might Speaking be Speaking of Mama Mia. I would 100% go see ABBA in <laughs> oh, concert. Oh, who wouldn't? There Here joyful. comes Mama For Mia. Sure. Oh, and our guest just called in. So there you go. And Look at that. Look at the timing. Yeah, they are Scandinavian. What's that got to do with you? I'm yep. partially Scandinavian. No, you're not. Yeah, you're part Norwegian. Yeah, it's all made up. Oh, my God. <laughs> my daughter is He's Minnesotan, a good it. chunk Scandinavian. There yeah, you have it. Is nice. Dr. Elena George ready to go? Yep. I am. I like it. Dr. Elena George joins us. Dr. George, my wife just got back. She was running an errand for our son, so she just walked in. Hello. So the timing Hello. of all of this is perfect. It worked out really well. Uh, big medicine, the cost of corporate control, and how doctors and patients working together can rebuild a better system. Yay. Dr. George, you're preaching to the choir for this one because I tell you what, mm-hmm. when I watched 
the ABC, CBS, or NBC news. And 75 to 85% of the commercials are for Big Pharma. I want to hang myself. They should not be controlling the news like they are. I know. I mean, that's just where that starts. Uh, the number of Americans going without health insurance has increased by 15% in 2018. Is that by their own choice, or are they being kicked off of their plan? It's uh, by their own choice at this point. It is, yeah. It's the out-of-pocket costs, the yes. deductibles, the co-insurance. When I opened my practice in 2001, when people presented their insurance card, they really had nothing out-of-pocket, just the insurance card. Now they're coming in with an out-of-pocket of, of 2500 5000 I've even seen people come out with $10,000 deductibles, yep. oh, which absolutely. means the insurance company pays nothing until they meet that out-of-pocket themselves. God. My question is, why have a piece of plastic if you cannot afford to use it? I agree so much. It's ridiculous. I went in for some migraine treatments, and... $4,000 later, and the insurance company was fighting getting that reduced cost for me to pay because mm -hmm. it didn't meet my deductible. And they got it reduced by about $200 for me. Gee whiz, thank you very much. How That's much was awful. it? Like $4,000. $4,000. I got it reduced by 200 Yep. Great. And that didn't even meet my deductible. Oh, our insurance after Fawn was born and she had to be checked in for a slow resting heart rate for 24 hours, they paid like nothing. Yeah. It's insane. And how much you pay for your monthly insurance on top of that. It's crazy. Yeah. You're not going to go back to that uh, witch hunt place where you had fun. <laughs> yep. I was just oh, there today. God, here we go. <laughs> Dr. Elena George, that was our daughter. Catherine, my wife, is here. Our son, Andy, and our daughter, Alex, who's about to have her second child. Her first child will be two on Saturday. And they're still and paying her off. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> they're still paying her off. That's not true. But are you going to incur a great cost from that? Not unless he has a slow resting heart rate like she does. Okay. Did. Well, or did, yes. Yeah. Um, how did this, so I'm assuming, Dr. George, this is all big corporations telling us what we can and cannot do with our own money. That is part of it. Um, but I think the picture is actually larger than that. Okay. I mean, this is a, a corporate structure that is that has the power of the government behind it. Mm-hmm. And the Affordable Care Act was the, the juice, the engine, that's driving this train. And it's ridiculous because they, if they had bothered to listen to practicing physicians like myself and patients, we would have told them that the system is actually broken. And what they did is they doubled down on the most expensive aspects of our healthcare mm -hmm. system, forcing people to buy something that is already unaffordable, paying that, that, that entity you know, they were the only game in town. They're going to get paid for people to buy their product. And, of course, they're going to jack the price up because yeah. they can. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. And it, the, the monies that you guys just quoted, I wonder if you had just gone and said, hey, we don't have insurance. What kind of deal can you cut us? Oh. You would have been surprised. You would have gotten 80%, 70 80% mm -hmm. off of that bill if you had paid out of pocket. That's what I always say. It's like, why don't they have a price, a cash price? They do. They do. They do? They raise the prices because insurance companies can pay it, but now that insurance companies aren't paying it, we're kind of you know caught in a bad place. Yeah. But so, if you tell them, you know, I can't pay this, they'll be like, oh, well, can you pay us this? And then there so you go. So if I go in and I say I have a $6,000 deductible, <clears throat> can I just pay cash instead of... Don't tell them you have a $6,000 deductible. Mm -hmm. Just say that I'm going to pay you cash. What are you going to do for me? Uh -huh. They admittedly yeah. raise the price... Because insurance yeah. companies have that much money. But can I still use that against my deductible then? No. You don't want to. Oh. See, I think that's where people, it's, it's a, a, mind change, a mindset change on what okay. insurance is supposed to do. Think about what you're putting out, 20000 or more per year mm -hmm. for premiums for an insurance company to tell you you have to put out another 8000 or whatever, six or two, four, six, whatever, out on top of what you're paying. And most people think that if I pay my money into my deductible, I'm getting something. You're actually getting hosed because you're going to pay more for the privilege of using your insurance card yep. when you can pay 80% off by just paying cash. That's what you think about the bigger picture. I understand the mindset of I want my money's worth, yeah. but your money's worth doesn't exist when you have to pay upwards of $10,000 out of your own pocket. You just spent more. 
that's the problem. So, and, and, and another thing I would love to see is just catastrophic insurance. Just forget all this exactly. other stuff and just give me no. some sort of insurance plan. So if I have a heart attack or something horrible happens, I have coverage for that. And I don't go bankrupt and have to sell my house. And Well, hopefully that will come back online because with the loss of the mandate, now the insurance companies are, are motivated to produce a product for people who don't have a lot of medical problems, who don't want to spend the money and get nothing back. Now they're motivated to actually offer something else. Mm. But I'm here to tell you that there's another parallel system that exists now. I don't carry health insurance personally. I do medical cost sharing. It started off as Christian Sharing Ministry, yep. and it's moved to pretty much anybody who wants to follow the the golden rule of I am my brother's keeper. So basically, I, along with thousands of people across the country, pool our resources, and we pay for each other's health care needs. I'm paying um, $199 a month. My total out-of-pocket is $500 per year for any catastrophic illness, right? It's amazing. And I don't have to worry about them saying no because it's not insurance. It's self-pay patients. It's the power of the purse. You have to decide if you want to have that power or if you want to give it away to the government or an insurance company. I sure as heck don't because I'm a doctor and I see the other side where the insurance companies arbitrarily deny things that are medically necessary because they can. And that just makes me so angry for my patients that I don't want to play the game. Then the second piece of the puzzle is supplemental policies. I know you guys have heard of AFLAC, but most people don't know the power of AFLAC and companies like that. That's an indemnity policy. You pay anywhere from $15, maybe $50 a month, and you're covered for any diagnosis. So I'm a small business owner. My, my employees have Liberty Health Share as our, our um, cost, medical cost-sharing company, and I've purchased Aflac for them. So if we get a diagnosis of cancer, stroke, heart attack, kidney disease, we get admitted to the hospital, we get a check back paid to us directly. No questions asked. $250,000 for a cancer diagnosis means you have power. You're not begging anybody to help you. Mm-hmm. You can leave the country if you want to, and you control your own destiny for less than $100 a month for, for my paying everybody. That's nothing. Right. Most people can actually afford that. So we need to get off the insurance train because it's not helpful. I just talked to somebody yesterday coincidentally, um, that has that Liberty Hill Share mm-hmm. program. And she was talking about that she wanted to go in and have her tubes tied, but they would not pay for that. Well, I'm not sure if it's... Then they don't pay for anything that's, like, abortion-related. I'm not sure if that... If the reason for that was because it was a uh, fertility issue. Yeah, It's not going to pay for everything, and it's not... For everybody. Okay. And that's the good thing. It's about choice, right? So if your mindset and your politics don't go that way, then don't choose them. But for other folks that it does fit, it works for them. That's my thing about the whole healthcare system. It should be a freedom of choice. If you want Obamacare, good for you. You can have it. If you don't want it, you want to fly solo, then you should be able to do that. And if we have choice and everybody's allowed to go to what works best for them, the whole system would actually work better. Uh, I have a question for you. you. You brought up politics here. It's really not one party, is it? It's the Democrats and the Republicans set this whole thing up, didn't they? I agree. It's a, they're two sides of the same coin. Right. They both believe in the same thing, which is more government, more corporate control, follow the money. The biggest lobbyists on Capitol Hill are healthcare related, <laughs> and they're running the show. Makes These guys crazy. didn't write about care. It was the lobbyists that wrote it. And it works against patients. I can tell you stories that will make your hair stand on end of people who have been denied treatment, who have been put in hospice when they don't deserve to be, that they're carrying an insurance card and they have absolutely no power. There's something called, uh, what's it called now? Instead of hospice, they call it comfort care. Oh, comfort care. I've heard of that. Yeah, Yeah. if you ever end up on that, you really, really want to ask, you know. It's gotten to the point you need to have your family member up in the hospital being your advocate because they're not inclined to necessarily give you everything you need. 
because it's about cost. So basically, if I money. go to if I go to comfort care, I should ask for the sweet release of death. Is that what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> that might be cheaper. It's all euphemism now. <laughs> it's all euphemism. Yeah, it is. It's euphemism. Well, now, I, re- I remember when your mother was going back and forth from um, yeah. Medicaid to Medicare to this to yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, his sister had to basically take three months off of her off of her job, and just quit doing everything except for trying to figure out her health care yeah it was insane you had four days here and six days here and if you stay another hour then you don't get any money it was just the most complicated ridiculous thing i've ever heard of in my life and talk about when somebody's at the end of their life they don't need this stress yeah and if they don't have anybody to help them what's going to happen to these people well unfortunately they end up in hospice because it's all about treating you and getting you out of the hospital now if you have medicare there are, there are diagnostic-related days for a diagnosis, and if you stay beyond those days, the hospital loses money. If they readmit you for the same diagnosis within 30 days, they don't get paid. So now there's a pressure to keep you out of the hospital, and the sicker you are, you actually they don't want to treat you because they can be dinged by the government. That's oh, completely a peculiar uh, uh, you know, push towards not helping patients as opposed to helping them. That's really wrong, honestly. Yeah, and It's I- against my Hippocratic oath. That's why I don't take Medicaid or Medicare. I couldn't live with myself mm. denying oh, it- people things that they need. It's right. terrible. It's interesting how you mentioned um, a health share and how uh, they wouldn't pay for getting someone's tubes tied. One of Bob's advertisers is a Solidarity Health Share, mm-hmm. um, which sounds very, very similar in that solidarity is also a very um, Christian uh, enterprise. I don't know if enterprise is the right word, but one of the uh, prerequisites is no contraception of any kind. Really? Yeah, so they wouldn't pay for any of that kind of thing. They run the show. Dr. Elena George, the book is called Big Medicine, the Cost of Corporate Control and How Doctors and Patients Working Together Can Rebuild a Better System. I will tell you, Dr. George, that about a year and a half ago, I have PTSD, so I need something to help me sleep. So the doctor recommended Lunesta. The insurance company wouldn't cover it. They wanted me to pay $430 a month, I think. It was, it was about $15 a pill, something like that, or $12 a pill, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm not going to pay that. That's $5,000 a year. I'm not paying that to sleep. Uh, I can't sleep anyway, so what's the difference? So I went to a bunch of uh, homeopathic things and all the rest of it. What I found the best thing for me to sleep is indica marijuana. But, of course, it's illegal in Minnesota, so I can't use it. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many more rules can we have to make people miserable? Is that what this is all about? Keep everybody on the edge of their seat. Keep them all miserable. It kind of distracts. Look at what my right hand's doing because I don't want you knowing what my left hand's doing. Is that what this is all about? Actually, I'll make it a little simpler. I think it's all about Big Pharma running the show. Oh, and there's That's no doubt. That's what evidence-based medicine is. It's about using medication. They don't want natural. They don't want to actually cure you. They want you on something yep. every day for the rest yep. of your life. The more, the merrier. You're the best, Dr. Elena George. Stay in touch. We'd love to talk much great. more about this. If you can, that'd be great. To Thank you. Dr. Elena George, again, the book's called Big Medicine, The Cost of Corporate Control and How Doctors and Patients Working Together Can Rebuild a Better System. I love it. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you know how important it is to have the right dock. That's why you should know about flow docks. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. They're completely modular so you can configure them to your family's needs or add on as your family's needs grow. And get this, you can install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flo's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make, right down to Flo boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flo is about making things easy. My friends at Flo also told me that hockey star Ryan Suter bought a Flo dock and lift as he wanted the best for his family. See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. See them at floeintl.com, flow docks and lifts, a better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan, and now you can find out how to have success losing weight at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth, just like me, at their free informational dinner on Monday, June 18th, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. Those unwanted pounds will melt away really, really fast. 
I've lost about 50 pounds now at Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth after being educated on clean eating, finding out what foods my body prefers, and I now know the foods that are weight gain triggers. As I've said over and over again, the Nutrimost weight loss plan is so easy, and they guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Call now to register for the Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on June 18th. To register, call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Well now, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. <laughs> uh, Dr. Dave is trying to get my stopwatch. Oh, small, small world Sweet alert Jesus. again today. Small what? Yeah. Small world alert. So Andy says, you have to go over to my house because there's a gas leak and... Uh, the gas company's coming over to check it out. So I take his key, run over to his house, which is very close to where we are here. I'm in there. I wait around for the guy. He comes in. He says, Barnard, any relation to KQRS? And I'm like, oh, no. I know. Oh, <laughs> no. What's going to happen Thanks, now? Honey. So he says, I used to work with Tony back in the Republic Airline days. As really? a baggage handler oh, so it had at the airline. A hundred years oh, ago. He said, Make, say hi to Tony for me. I said, I can't because he doesn't like anybody and he's mean. <laughs> he, said, he said, Tony's always not liked anybody and he's always been crabby. <laughs> well, that's very true, Tony. Tends to be a little crabby. So Lee was, uh, Lee was your gas man. Lee was the gas man. And, and he, he helped me push up about a 500-pound piece of furniture in a box on your steps that the oh, UPS driver just... Through at the bottom of the steps. Thank you very much. Well, it was five hundred pounds. It I don't was blame so, the UPS It was so driver. heavy. We couldn't even. We couldn't even budget. We had to like do the ass oh, over tea kettle thing as you. That's <laughs> real. The ass over tea. If you say it with a slight British accent, does that make it less offensive? Yes. Okay, let's, I got to sync my watch cat. with you. Where are you at your watch? On your watch. We're at about a minute thirty. I'll pull it up for you again and show you where we're at. When okay, we get we're at a, I'm at a minute ten, so we're yeah. good enough. So, we're getting close. So there's my small world report. Okay, I gotta rat my wife out. Oh, God, I have no. to do it. That's all there is. You I have no mean choice. You said about me on the air yesterday. yesterday? I did not. Yeah, you did. Do this time. No, I didn't. God. What did I say about you that was me? Said mean? I would have to get a job and get out. I don't think I said totally that. Totally said on that. On this show? No. Okay. On the morning show, I said, right. oh, yeah, yeah, that was real serious. <laughs> Listen, I did not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I did. <laughs> but it wasn't a serious thing. Really? I thought it was true. No, it was not true. So you're Why, my who job. Told you? I heard you. Oh, you heard me? I uh-huh. listen in every once in a while. Oh, every Check once in a while. In. Okay, so here, here's the deal. What what started our day off yesterday was really a huge headache, a pain in the ass. I was illustrating how you can go from such a such a pain in the ass thing to a wonderful thing. Oh, well, that's so what an happened hourly yesterday? event. <laughs> what happened? I mean, yesterday something went really wrong earlier in the day, either in the world. Did something Are you sure happen? that wasn't the day before when you had to deal with Jeremy Piven? Oh, God, that ass. Oh, Whoa. God. Oh my God! The the biggest jerk. Sorry, I didn't mean to pull the pin That's on that a, grenade, kids. He didn't, my, he didn't do it to me. He did it to everybody. I had Brittany. so many. Co- oh, Brittany, Brittany was hates like, me. was mean oh. to Brittany. Yeah, Brittany yeah. and I went for. A, we walked around Lake Harriet on Tuesday, and it was just after he uh, had yeah. been in, and she was like. I never talk to anybody. I sit in my studio by myself. Which is a good She's idea. Like, Even if I'm a fan of somebody, I don't say anything because I don't want them to be mean yeah, to me and right. then I'm sad. Right. And she was like, but people, I, like, the last time we had him on, he was talking about how we all are so lucky to have the jobs that we have and blah, blah, blah. And he seemed really positive. And then I went in and talked to him and he was like, well, are you going to come to my shows? You millennials are always just sitting on your phone, and you don't actually come to the shows and support the people that you say that you like. And Mr. Blah, blah, blah. Selfridge. Yeah, and she's like, in the entire time he was sitting like on his phone, hmm. well, giving me this big spiel about how millennials are always on their phone. Maybe he was being ironic. No, he was not being ironic. And she's He's like, just a big jerk. She's like, I just wanted to be like. FYI, I work here, so I'm not going to go to your 8 p.m. show on a Wednesday when I have to get up at 4.30. Right. You know. show doesn't even get over till 10.30. Yeah. Like, I, I got, I he was, he was. <laughs> well, that's too bad. Nice enough yeah. to me. He was a boring guest. He was not interesting at all, but he was mm. nice enough to me. But I spent a lot of my day yesterday answering my phone to hear what a jerk Jeremy Piven was to them. I mean, yeah. dozens of phone calls. Why does a guy, he had a pretty big career. 
He'd had a huge career. Big career. I don't even yep. know anything he's been Ms. in. Selfridges, he was Mr. Selfridge. Oh, oh really? That is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I On that, that. Uh, was a PBS Wisdom of the Crowd. Theater. Nope. Wisdom of the Crowd was a great show. It was also in Entourage, right? Entourage. Entourage. He was on Never uh, seen Old it. School. Never seen it. He's been a million. And, uh, I don't even yeah. recognize him. Yeah, he's got has a big career. Then he got into some sort of trouble with somebody. I don't know what it was. A bunch of women said that he that he forced uh, forced uh, himself on them. Well, I think he forced like he, he forced kisses on them, which I don't know. how... We were talking about that earlier. I don't know how you would prove that somebody forced a kiss on you. Well, first of all, I'm, I, is force is somebody like? What do you mean forcing? I well, mean, that's is it what like, I'm saying. I don't know how like they feeling, do that. Like you're fearful for your life, or somebody that just came up and was like kissed you, and you didn't really. I, I, it's. Have I, you never had that where you're out somewhere and somebody's maybe just had one or too many? And they're oh, putting absolutely. their arm around you and they keep giving you a kiss on the cheek. Or, yes. You know, see that? Death that's Gerard. kind of a force. That kind of. But it's not <laughs> sexual. Well, I don't. I don't take that as like is I would sexual? ruin somebody's career over doing. Yeah, something like, like that. Right. Being it's gross. But you have a different around. level of tolerance. I mean, you've had to deal with this guy. So I'm just saying, you know, other. Other people are not as oh. tough. They're not as tough. That's that. It, that part is true. Most most people, when men or women, are not as tough. I mean, I are. have told people, you know, like, back off, Jack. It's enough. Right. You know, yeah. You know, enough. Bubble. But then, give me my you, bubble. once you've done that, once they've overstepped the boundary yeah. and you've put the 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 bubble up. Mm-hmm. Then do you feel the need to go on and, and then no. besmirch the guy going forward? No. If he keeps coming into the bubble, yeah, then it's fair game. No, because but if I you mean, put down the law, yes. but the problem is a lot of these people are like, oh, well, I was a PA and I didn't want to lose my job. And, and the unfortunate thing is they do. They say, hey, you know, can you reassign me? Piven keeps trying to kiss me. Just shut up and do your job. Yeah, that's not and I know PAs cool. that have had to do that, that's and they had cool. to take crap from celebrities. I mean, yeah. verbal abuse yeah, and, and verbal beatings. Yep. Like I said, it's all what level it's at and right. how, you know, if people back off when you tell them to back off. Right. Then I don't think it's, like, something that you should ruin somebody's career off. I think some over. PAs had to, like, throw pineapple slices at butts, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Orange slices. Orange slices. Orange yes. slices. That's what it was. Romero. Yep. It was. It was orange slices. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Sometimes. At least he was healthy about it. It, was good <laughs> yeah. it wasn't like sugar cookies. That's just bad for you. I mean, so he, he liked to... Cesar stuff. Romero. Orange slices up people's butts. Up people's No, he butts? liked to have people no, not throw. <laughs> oh, they're in his butt. Let's right. be he, specific. They would throw <laughs> orange slices at Cesar Romero's butt. That's right. Isn't right. that that's the... Right. Yes, that's what it was. Which um, I don't really understand what that does for you. Oh, big deal. No. <laughs> but it's just me. If you had a dollar for every orange slice you've had to throw at Tom's butt. <laughs> yeah, she'd be a wealthy woman today, I'll tell you that. I, I, I just, I don't know. It's... Hey, Catherine, I'm feeling randy. Grab the little halos and meet me in the room. Yeah, exactly. Right. Do we have any nectarines? I'm, I'm... Oh, you're getting adventurous. Yeah, getting adventurous. Yeah, now we're getting Jesus. a little adventurous. I don't know what people do. I don't have any interest in what people do. Leave me alone. Leave us alone. Yes. That's the part. That's the way I look, and like to look at it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's... All of it, and you don't want to diminish the impact of of something that happened, that a serious thing that happened to people. See, that's the no. whole problem. You just don't want to. But but you know, Dave did point it out. We're getting to that point now. We're starting to not believe everybody who says it. And I understand what he's saying. I totally understand. I've I've you know, unfortunately, what good the whole Me Too movement has done has also brought out the people that will yep. do harm. Because of a movement. Well, and we're going to yep. hit that wall where it's like shootings. That's we'll just bad. stop hearing. Yep. The, the news will be reported, but nobody's going to care, yep. and no, it's going to go nowhere. Yep. That's really weird. I was just thinking about that about 20 minutes ago. I, I, I said, you know, because somebody said, oh, there's a big news story. You know, Mediocre and said, minds and I'm thinking, alike. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, is it, is it another mass shooting? It's gotten yeah. to the point where it's like, oh, another mass shooting. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, we'll see what happened this time. That's well, look hor- at the, horrible. Look at the... You know, the disaffected feeling. Oh, Morgan Freeman. Oh, here comes another one. And it's like, okay, what's next? You know, it just. And especially Morgan Freeman. I mean, who doesn't like Morgan Freeman? I know. The women that were sexually harassed. Apparently some woman doesn't. Yeah. Uh, I think our guest is calling. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with with a guest calling early. We we don't mind that at all. I don't know. Hey there. Brian. 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 Yes. Is Gabrielle, is Gabrielle with you? 
She she will be she will be. Can she call on separate or do we need to merge? I think she can call separate. I'm hoping she can call. Okay. I'll give it a try. Brian Boucher, Gabrielle Boucher will join us as well, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, yes. The rapper took to Twitter to take on the idea of uh, consumerism. Kanye West says, look at your phone as a tool, not an obligation. You know, do people see their phones as obligations? I think, you're, I think that is a good point, actually. Teenagers do, definitely. Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at how many of them wake up with it as an alarm and they, they pick it up and then they're Facebooking, you know, dialing into Twitter, seeing if they're significant today, waiting for that <laughs> dopamine hit to say, yeah. oh, man, I feel good about myself. And then they start their day, and before they know it, they've set, an, they've set a reactive tone to their day, and they're, they're not in charge of their agenda. Honestly, that's the way I look at it. I don't look at my phone at the beginning of the day because I don't want other people telling me what I need to think about today. Oh, yeah. my God. Does that mean I'm a 50-year-old millennial? Yeah, it must be. Good Lord. I, uh, I read a story. I, I also do a morning show, Brian. And on the morning show today, I read a story that while they're on vacation, some people check their phones 300 times a day. That's a 300 lot. times a day. That's a lot of times. So if you're only awake for 16 hours, that's uh, about 20 times. Uh, it's just, what are you doing? Well, you're checking I mean, your people, phone every three yeah, minutes. People expect you to re, you know, respond to an email within an hour. I mean, if you if you like if you if you respond the next day, it's like, what's wrong? Uh, did you get my email? I mean, it's yeah. gotten to the point where everybody expects a response in a minute. Yeah, I don't really understand that. Kanye West uh, took to Twitter to take on the idea of consumerism, sharing a four-hour-long documentary named "The Century of the Self," which focuses on Sigmund Freud's nephew Edward Bernays, uh, capitalizing on his uncle's uh, philosophies to create modern-day consumerism. According to Kanye, uh, Bernays once uh, masterminded a plan for companies to sell more cigarettes during a time when they were not used in public. (laughs) On top of his notes on a consumerist culture, West urges fans to consider our collective addiction to our cell phones, tweeting Google dopamine, referring to a chemical naturally released uh, by our brains that makes us feel good. So is that it? Do our phones make us feel good? Do they make us feel important? Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's like having an addiction, right? You just mentioned dopamine. Simon Sinek, the author of Start With Why, talks about this all the time, that you get a dopamine. Every time you look at Facebook and you pop open that little notification tab and you see the little red number, 2, 5, 10, depends on how popular are you, right? Sometimes you only have one. Sometimes you have 300, right? But the point is, is that little red number does trigger a chemical response in the brain, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it says, I'm significant, I matter. You know, that's why people are going to social media, checking those likes to see, really, they're checking on their own personal significance and people, and if, if people even care about what they're doing on social media. But that's really what creates this addiction uh, to technology, and it's not healthy. It's not healthy, and I, I like what Kanye West said because he said, treat your phone like a hammer, pick it up when you need to use it. Let yeah. you be in charge of the phone and not the phone be in charge of you. The only problem that I have, Brian, is that uh, I already mentioned I do a morning show as well, and it's been pretty damn popular. for It's in its 33rd year now. So if I pick up my phone and look at uh, social media, basically all I see is, Tom Bernard, what an a-hole. So, I, you know, I don't pick it up all that often, Brian. i got to be honest with you. Anti-dopamine. <laughs> it's anti-dopamine, yes. It, if I want to get rid of some dopamine, I, I check. Uh, I, don't, I don't go on social media for the very reason. I just... I, I, I don't like the fact, Brian, that everybody's a tough guy on social media. I, they don't have, even have to use their real name, and they're running their mouth about how tough they are. It's like, come on, really? Gabrielle's with us. Gabrielle's on, too. Gabrielle. Hey there. Thanks for, thanks for having me. I'll tell you something, Gabrielle. Brian's been dominating the whole conversation, not letting you talk at all. He didn't even mention your Welcome name. Welcome to my life, man. Mansplaining. <laughs> Terrible. He's been mansplaining. We're waiting for you to come. No, we're, we're just talking about, uh, and I agree with everything that you say, that uh, telephones are, I, I just, all of it, it, it all, whether it's social media, texting, I, I I just started texting literally about two or three months ago. I hate it. I don't know if you can call what you do texting. <laughs> really? Stop texting me, Dave. It's not really texting. That's just telling well, that's me to true. stop that's texting true. you. I just, I, there's no emotion in my, and my whole life has been based on emotion, right? I've been on, you know, on the radio for my whole life, and it's, it's the intonation, inflection, the tone of someone's voice. 
really matters to me. So to read texts, sometimes I go, and first of all, nobody knows how to spell. That's the other problem I have. Uh, that's not how that word is spelled, but uh, I think what you're trying to say is, is that unusual for people like me to not like all that stuff at all? Are, are people so in love with it, they can't admit to themselves they might not like it? No one's talking to me. Maybe. Go in. Hey, oh. I, I heard we heard the music. We thought we thought we were being like caned off the side of the stage. Well, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do you, can we take about a, a two minute break and then come right back and we got another fifteen minutes. We have as long as you want, okay? Absolutely. Right. We'll be right. We will be right back in a couple of minutes. Tom Bernard show. Chris Lindahl's here, ladies and gentlemen. Finally, a package that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor. We're giving away a free home staging package. And the reason we're doing this for KQ listeners is because you just have to win that online beauty pageant. In today's world, over 90% of showings are done on the internet. And so you want to make sure that you stand out. The Chris Lindahl team has stagers on staff. So we're able to give you free staging packages at no cost to you. So how'd you come up with this idea, Chris? Well, what's happening right now is we're watching homeowners lose tens of thousands of dollars by not having the right architectural photography and the right staging. And so they're losing all of these impressions and these showings online. And we want to do something to make a difference. And one of the number one core values at the Chris Lindell team is to be generous and give back. So we're giving free home staging packages to KQ listeners. So, Chris, how do people get in touch with you? Yeah, to take advantage of the free home staging package, you can call 763-401-SOLD or go to chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. And don't forget to mention Tom sent you. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so happy because today God, I just am so used to hitting the post. That's all I get to say. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm a Hey, whatever. Millennialsolution.com. I like that. It's a good website. Gabrielle. Is it Gabrielle or Gabrielle? It's Gabrielle. It is Gabrielle, yes. Is, would Gabrielle be more of a, a man's name? I think so. Yeah. You know, it probably is. Probably. But I, uh, I respond to all even if you text me. But that's a pretty snazzy name you've got there. Gabrielle Boucher. You sound very important, Gabrielle. I will tell you that. Or at least very French. I chose neither of those names. So <laughs> that's Brian's fault? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Brian's the latter and my mom's the first. So you know. I mean, it, 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 I mean it, 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 it's me that made her name so beautiful. Boucher, come that, on. That's, that's like, true. Gabriel that's, like, that's like buying a corner lot. But, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Brian Boucher is a pretty good name, too, though. I will tell you that. I, I was just talking about uh, earlier today about the fact that I'm just thankful that my mother did not name me Bernard Bernard. Oh, my God. This poor kid on uh, the... Ooh, that would have been... Bernie Bernard? Yeah, Bernie that, Bernard. That's, that's a great name for radio. Hey, Bernie Bernard. Hey, how you doing? Um, oh, I'm, uh, sounds like a used car dealer. <laughs> yeah. There was that news anchor we have, Robin Robinson. Robin Robinson, yeah. She's going in the Hall of Fame, mm. uh, Minnesota Hall of Fame. Uh, but in any, any case, I, I just, oh, no, I lost my thing. Way to go, Andy. Typical. Mm. Uh, in any case, we're just talking about phones and about uh, social media, about uh, what is Millennial so, uh, Solution based on? So I started the, the firm Millennial Solution about five years ago okay. because I had noticed so many people talking about millennials who either weren't millennial or were not actually providing solutions. And so rather than just talking about who this next generation is and what's wrong with them, uh, I started a research and strategy firm that took data and actually applied it to help organizations, nonprofits, and political movements better capture the next generation. I love that idea. We we had an, uh, a guest earlier this hour, Dr. Elena George, and she was talking about Healthcare. She's a she's a medical doctor, and she was talking about healthcare. And what made, the whole time she was talking, it made me think, 
When I watch the news, all I hear is how Democrats hate Republicans and Republicans hate Democrats, but they're both ruining our health care system. So is this all about just waving one hand in the air so you don't notice what the other hand's doing? Is that what all that stuff is all about, really? The, the power of distraction. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I, I think part of it, too, and, and coming from a millennial perspective as well, is you know what kind of information that you're putting out there. I mean, we've been talking about technology. We've been talking about how you know different generations use technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Brian made a great point you know, before going to break about you know, how people are getting kind of those hits from social media, but it's the same thing where people are tapping into, um, tapping into social media to get their information. I mean, when you ask millennials where they get their news, they'll face things like the Post or the Times, but when you actually see where where their time is spent, it's clearly on on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. So, Mm -hmm. you know, where where people are getting their information, I think, is informing um, their views about things just as much, if not more so, than what they actually believe on the topics themselves. And you're, we've learned now, of course, from Mark Zuckerberg, that that news you were reading on Facebook was not necessarily the truth. Oh, of course not. I mean, it's, it's like it's 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 like it's a, it's a big line of fake news, and then of course, in there they're still trying to figure out the definition of hate speech, but yet they're implementing the definition of hate speech, you know, on their platforms, scrubbing <laughs> right. things from the web. Yeah. They say in one hand, they say we don't understand hate speech, and in the other hand, they're like, well, we understand it enough to block conservative websites. Yeah, no, it's absolutely <laughs> true. I, I just. I literally had a man get angry with me because he asked me my political opinions, and I said, well, I'm pretty much a centrist, and it really made him mad. What, you don't have the guts to have an opinion? Yeah, I'm like, people hate what? centrists oh right now God. for some reason. Like, what do you mean I don't have I have lots <laughs> of opinions. Number one, you're a jackass. That's my number one opinion. Uh, but <laughs> he actually got upset with me because I didn't have a hard line either right or left opinion. Mm-hmm. And those opinions, apparently because of the news or television, a lot of radio as well, newspapers certainly, you have to either believe me 100% or I hate you. What is that? Come on, Tom. You mean, well, come on. You, you, would, you just want to go through life and just be reasonable? Why would you want to be reasonable? <laughs> exactly. this, is, this is crazy. How dare you be a populist like our current president is a populist? Like, why would you do that? Uh, I know that's and people you absolutely have to agree with everything I say or you're my enemy. I where did that come from? I think a lot of it came from this for and against politics that's you know so yeah. popular and frankly just so easy to report in the news where people are saying, well, are you either for the president or against the president? And you know every every major news site really is just kind of you know team Trump or team anti-Trump, and there really is no in between. We really have lost the ability, I think, as a society, to have civil discourse about you know about what what people believe, the principles, especially the constitutional principles. I mean, one one in the news are actually talking about that. You know, is it is it legal? Right? Can we even talk about that? We don't. Uh, we don't talk about whether it's constitutional or whether it's legal. It really is. You know what, what's what's most popular, or you know what what side of the aisle it's really falling under. And and I think when you look at the future, um, and especially as people who study millennials' generations of leadership, you know it's something of great concern for my generation, who's frankly been brought up during a time where it really is for an, for or against politics. There isn't that civil discourse, which has made our country so great to begin with. Right. I I, uh, I was talking to a financial guy today. I don't really want to identify what he does, but I was talking to him about what he sees. Because I, I, I asked this question. I said, I notice every time the stock market gets anywhere near 25,000, it drops by about 700 points. And that's very consistent. It's happened over and over and over again. And he basically said, well, to tell you the truth, Tom, uh, you know, interest rates are up for a reason. And uh, the stock market keeps bouncing up and down for a reason. And then bonds of, what, 295 now, I think, is where where the bond market is sitting. Um, he said, we're basically one international class clash away from 2008 again. He really thinks that one more clash, one more thing like that, and our stock market is going to collapse again. Uh, I certainly hope that's not true. Do you see something like that happening? I'd like to, I'd like to think we're a lot more hopeful uh, yeah, than that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, here's the, tr- here's the truth. Any day that we wake up, we could experience a massive man-made or natural disaster or international yeah, incident yeah. with 
you know, Trump or Kim Jong-un comparing the size of their buttons. I mean, any, anything <laughs> to trigger the stock market in a downward direction, uh, that was not a euphemism. But the point is, is that the, the I would like to say that our generation is more hopeful than that. We are certainly more right. hopeful than that. What we are looking for in our political leaders are visionaries, people who can recognize that we have a really bright and incredible future if we tap into the entrepreneurial drive of this generation and implement it in the marketplace to create value. Because think about it this way. Millennials, why would they like capitalism? Why would they like the free market? Yeah. Because when they came out of college, all the promises of having a good job after getting a college education didn't happen for them. This is the first time they're experiencing an up economy in a free market economy. And as they start to take root in that, I think you're going to find them embracing uh, a much more entrepreneurial, perhaps visionary direction as a generation. I have to tell you, everyone in this room and, and both of you, uh, Gabrielle and Brian, that um, in my opinion, the news coverage in America has caused a huge problem in that um, Kim Jong-un, you just brought him up, that he is pretty much called off the talks with uh, uh, Donald Trump. And I do think that if, uh, if the news... All the big news organizations in America had said, you know what we should do instead of if we're a conservative outfit, uh, instead of talking about Donald Trump deserves the Nobel Peace Prize. Why didn't they offer it to both Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump? They were both going to come together. They were both going to talk. Do you think I mean, this guy is not stable anyway. So to shut him out from that Nobel Peace Prize talk, I think was a huge mistake. And that was a news media. I think that's a big yeah, I mean, I think that's a big mistake. I think also, though, that I actually – I think you can actually treat uh, – Kim Jong-un is quite uh, reasonable and probably a pretty good politics player in his own right. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's two ways that a, that a country can become successful, right? You try to go through the traditional means of industry and growing your company on the backs of great, great ideas, great government ideas, or if you can't make that happen – You've got to start kicking and screaming and threaten to hit other countries with nuclear weapons. It's the only way that you really retain significance on the world stage. What Trump, I think, was trying to sell to Kim Jong-un here is a path to being the modern-day hero for North Korea. Right. Make your country successful. Make it financially successful. I think that's what Trump was selling as a product to the North Korean leader because at the end of the day, this guy – by the way, the North Korean leader – He's a millennial, right? Yeah. He's looking for significance. He's looking for his, his uh, you know, what is, what's the mark that he's leaving on the world? And I think that, that Trump needs to stay the course in selling him that package of goods. No, I think you're absolutely right about that. Look, when you're a kid whose father claimed to have shot an 18 on a regulation golf course, in other words, 18 holes in one, if you could stand up and say, <laughs> yeah, well, I won the Nobel Peace Prize, now look what we got. We're in great shape, Right. <laughs> I mean, he's going to have to come up with something better than shooting an 18 on a regulation golf course. That's not going to be easy to do. I, I, I just uh, well, the leader before it, the official biography said that he was born under a double rainbow. Yeah. That no, seriously, <laughs> no, it was. Yeah, I kid true. you not. There was so many crazy <laughs> deals, and that, like a leprechaun was his doula. Right. And and it was right. all of these insane. And and it sounds like I'm joking. It's no, not. Read no. the official biography. No, it's true. They want to excel these people to godlike status, yep. yes. so that everybody just worships and follows along because of the power that they reportedly wield. And I don't think it's too late to get out there as a news organization and say, you know, actually, I think Kim Jong Un does deserve the Nobel Peace Prize along with President Trump. I think, I swear to God, it's just that appeal to the man's ego, and all of a sudden it'll change everything. I really think that would happen. You agree with that? I completely I would. agree. I think, I think that it's that significant piece that we've all been talking about. And I think too oftentimes when we talk about diplomacy, it's the carrot and stick. You know, it's, it's yeah. either we're going yep. to, you know, beat them into a pulp or, you know, we're going to incentivize them with kind of coming out of the dark ages. But I think we as a society know enough about human motivation and human psychology to know that people are motivated by much deeper things. And I think, as Brian mentioned, Kim Jong-un is, you know, one millennial to the other. We recognize that there's this deep significance in all of us, millennial or not, you know, that, that people want to know that what they're doing does make a difference. And, and why yep. not make him a hero rather than making him the villain? I and I think Trump gets that. I think that Trump's been explaining that. But I, I, I agree with your approach. I think it's an extremely creative one that what would it look like for the media to help with, uh, what, for, for once, you know, the mainstream media helping with diplomacy yeah. rather than hurting, 
heard right. of it. You know what? What a novel! What a novel idea there. Yeah, it's. I don't know if it's going to happen because, uh, well, all are, although their their advertising's dropping like a rock in newspapers, so maybe it wouldn't hurt advertising anyway. But I, I just, it just seems to me to be a very simple problem. That look, I'm. I tried to think of the last president that I liked, and I got all the way back to George Washington and hit a wall because they're not my kind of people. They have massive egos. They will do whatever they wish to do. Uh, you know, the, the public be damned. They're not my kind of people. I, I wouldn't want to hang around with the president. I interviewed Donald Trump once a long time ago. His people are really good. That man knew everything about me when I interviewed him. Uh, not that I had a lot, you know, I got all my information I needed about him, but he knew everything about me, including my wife's name. How's Catherine? How are your kids, Andy and Alex? How are they doing? I mean, he asked me everything about that part. I thought it was brilliant. So maybe his ego is so big that he goes, hey, look, I'd like that if somebody knew everything about me. So there are good things about it as well, having, having a, a, I guess, a, a great self-image. There's nothing wrong with that. Having a healthy self-image, I guess. And I think Donald Trump has one, and I think Kim Jong-un has one. So let's work with that. Use it as a tool, right? I, I say use it as a tool all day long. I mean, yep. any leadership great, as Gabrielle was mentioning, motivational principles, and we studied this a lot in our work, The Millennial Solution, and that is you can either beat somebody over the head constantly with their weaknesses. <laughs> right. Get better, get better, get better. Yep. Paint them as a villain. Or... You can pull them out of their weaknesses, motivating them using their strengths. You're not – look, regime change, I'm not interested in the business of regime change right. anymore. It costs our economy trillions of dollars in the Middle East. I'm so sick of it. And everybody can say, well, he kills his people. He does you know, political assassinations. Yeah, and that's really, really terrible. But do you know what kind of vacuum you're going to create if you pull North Korean – you know, North Korea's Kim Jong-un out of there, a no, disaster. And it's going to be another, you know, war that, that, that the United States has to fight and pay for. We need to motivate this guy out of his weaknesses, using his strengths, and sell him a bill of goods of making him a great economic engine. I like it. Gabrielle, you have to go back to Carrie and Brian for the rest of the day now. It is a full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both. Great, great subjects, wonderful topics. Millennialsolution.com. Gabrielle and Brian Boucher, thank you for your time, and I hope we talk again soon. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Have a good day. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show. <laughs>